0: You might hear the word insolvency and think companies but insolvency is just another term to describe serious financial problems for anyone. You could be insolvent if you can't pay your bills in full when they're due, you're paying a little off each bill trying to keep creditors at bay or you've had calls and letters about missed repayments and threats of repossession. The Insolvency Service of Ireland or ISI has four debt solutions to help people with all levels of problem debt from credit cards to mortgages. For more information, visit backontrack.ie or free text get help to 50015. The ISI. Together, we'll get you back on track.
1: Welcome to Blood and Mud Podcast, the podcast that takes the weekend's rugby and struggles to make the instructions work with the parts provided. I am Lee Calvert. And joining me over there, as usual, is...
2: Uh, Josh Gardner. Of, I'm glad you're uh, with us,
1: Josh. you with us? You Sorry, started... <laughs> yeah, I
2: like, was a little bit distracted then. Something started playing on my laptop and, and terrified me slightly, so I was trying to mute it in case you could hear me watching a hair advert for some reason.
1: <laughs> uh, joining us once again is the gent who puts the man into romantic. It's Mr Mike Bubbins. Hello, Mike.
2: Hello, boys. Hello, world. How like much more on the ball than me tonight, clearly.
3: <laughs> yes, <good>, is not it? <laughs>
1: if you want to get in touch with the podcast, we are at Blood and Mud. You're also you listen to us on Acast, and you're listening to us on iTunes, and we're also on Patreon. If you fancy throwing a few quid our way as a bit of support and get a bit more extra content, you can go to Patreon.com/slash Blood and Mud. How do people get in touch with you, Mike? Uh,
3: just uh, well, Twitter, I suppose, at Mike Bubbins, um, or you could. I got a great website. Uh, MikeBurman's.com, but I've updated that the last time I updated it. it was July 2017. So, yes. Yes. Yeah. sounds so like my is,
1: website these days. I just talk yeah. on podcasts, that's what I do.
3: <laughs> it looks great, but it's literally, uh, yeah, so it's something I never update.
1: And what about you, Josh? People know this by now, surely, yeah, but yeah, let's tell we you.
2: No, know surely, right, showwatch, Yeah, you know.
1: now we always start with the player spotted.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Um where we asked people to certainly go, on. And this is a hot-off-the-press topical one.
4: That and is. it was actually
1: live-texted to me on Saturday night, Jesus. which I think is a first. Yeah. Grant Taylor... live-texted Live-texting? Gets...
3: Live yeah, what's the difference a live-texting and texting?
1: Well, that's true, actually. I think it's because it came <laughs> through as a DM on tweets, so I got confused between oh, live-tweeting and text. Do you know what I
3: mean? Yeah. I saw you just
2: record my text and send them off-recorded, usually. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> I go back in time and send mine. I
2: find it's... So... Yeah. So... Do you mean that this was texted to you as it was happening?
1: Yes, thank you. Thank you, okay, Josh. Good, yeah. Thank Christ you ear. Um, <laughs> so this is Grant Taylor who texts us, or DMs me, and says, the Newcastle Falcons Christmas party had rocked up in the bar that I work in. Ooh. He said, true to form, the pack have come dressed as turkeys while the backs are all smartly dressed at the bar. <laughs> the forwards would apparently dance to anything, he says, while Nicky Gonover and Sontani Takalua calmly organised things at the bar, he said, however, I can add though, after remaining a picture of consummate cool, Nikki Gonover absolutely lost his shit to As the Beat Goes On by the Whispers. I mean, it it's, it's, it's
3: cracking too. If you're going to it, lose your shit to sub then, mate, lose it to that. For those who so. don't
1: know As the Beat Goes On by the Whispers, here's a little sample for you all. This is our bass line, fair play. You can't see us, but we're kind of losing our oh, yeah. shit here. So. It's just a great team. It is. So imagine if you can Nicky Gonover going full freak out to
2: this. I absolutely can.
4: Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah so fantastic stuff.
4: Oh, because,
1: oh. <laughs> do you do you, lots, do you still go into clubs, Mike? Is oh, that a thing? Well, you know Is what, that a thing you've I, ever
3: I,
4: done?
3: I, I used to be a clubber back in the day, but um, what I do recently, I, I was working at the Wales South Africa game. Um, I'll expand on that later. But then after that, I went to my first silent disco
4: with oh, a friend
3: yeah. of mine. Never she's, been to one of those? Yeah, she's about sixteen years younger than me, and started enjoying myself. Am I, I thoroughly enjoying myself? Um, To the point where I got my moustache painted in in silver glitter paint by uh, the girl doing the makeup there. And uh, not my words, but her words. She said, you're the best dancer in this place. I said, I agree with you. (laughs) And, And then she said, everyone else in here just hears the music, but you
2: feel it. I mean, what higher praise do you need? Really? Did you say right? it's because
1: he's got a good beat, like a proper like dad type would say? Kick a good <laughs> beat. <laughs> Speaking of younger uh, people in discos, it reminds me of the story. Uh, my, one of my oldest friends, Richard, there used to be an, an indie disco on a Wednesday night in a club called the Tivoli in Buckley in North Wales. which is a,
2: which I mean, is, already I'm on you're, board. You're
1: already on board. And we used to go every yeah. week when we were teenagers. I used to go to tenor. I had, it was two quid to get in. I could afford two cans of red stripe and then my taxi home. That was it. Do you remember those sort of days? I do.
3: remember Walk on me, you absolute fanny. When you walk
1: <laughs> on a I'm a kind of red stripe. Because it's nine miles. <laughs> any, yeah. Anyway. That just
2: means you've sobered up by the time you're halfway home and it's fine. So,
1: so we used to go to this every weekend, and I don't want to bring anybody down, but fast forward a few years, my mate Richie got killed in a hit and run accident. And his funeral. Just have, honestly. Listen to me. His funeral happened to fall on a Wednesday. So we were all yeah, at the really? funeral. We we're all at the funeral in the, in the gear. And we were somewhat yeah. pissed up and reminiscing and getting maudlin. And somebody says, I know. Shall we, shall we go to Tiv as a kind of blast on the past to remember him? I says, Yeah, all right, let's go. So off, we got a minibus, off we went. So we all walk in and we're all in our early 30s by now in suits. And of course, it's still the indie crowd, whatever the 2004 or 5 indie crowd is, young girls in like ripped tights and shit. Mm. We're still. We're stood yeah. there drinking.
3: What's your friends?
1: Yeah, these <laughs> these two girls come walking past us. They look. They look me complete up and down about three times, and go. He goes, "Who the fuck do you think you are, Westlife?" <laughs> <laughs> and I just uh, fucking slid down the wall laughing. Uh, uh, it was fucking amazing.
4: You you <laughs> kill for that now?
3: Yeah,
1: fucking kill for it. <laughs> So, Josh, have you got a story about a dead friend linked to a nightclub at all? No?
2: I mean, no, you're, uh, you know, a dead friend aside, it did just remind me of going back into uh, metros in Cardiff at any time after I was 22 and just feeling incredibly old and depressed about (laughs) everything. And also that it smelled of piss.
1: Did you ever go in the Millennium in Cardiff, Josh? You were probably young young enough when you were living there to go to Millennium, one of those retail (laughs) park nightclubs.
2: Which yeah, came up in the 90s, didn't they? Oh, yeah. so
3: then it that was called Evolution. I, was, I think it's gone back to be a gym again now.
2: It was Evolution when I was there. A, yeah. dreadful, a dreadful way to waste a taxi out to the bay. To yeah, awful, old, awful place. Awful place.
3: Terrible yeah. place. I'll just jump the bandwagon and say that my, uh, my first girlfriend would have been 47 uh, about three days ago when she died. Oh. So, uh, yeah, you know. Well, just, shit, that is terrible news.
1: Have you got oh, a, a comedic story linked to it from going to a club oh, after? <laughs> 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 you want to
3: feel left out
1: or Right then, let's carry on with some news, shall we? People, speaking yeah. of people who might be left out in the news, Robbie Henshaw is out of the Six Nations opener, according to News Today.
2: Is that a big blow? blow. It is a big blow.
1: And it is Please. confirmed, I believe. Yeah. So they'll have to just go with Aki or Chris oh, Farrell. No. The poor fucking bastards, oh, you know.
2: Yeah, I mean they are thin as fuck at twelve. <laughs> <aren't they? laughs> um, in other news, all oh. coaches are moving everywhere. Um, uh, we've got Gatland going to England potentially.
3: That won't happen. The fuck off. Of course remember.
2: it won't. <laughs> exactly. We've got Stuart Lancaster going to Bath. We've got Stuart Lancaster going to Ireland. We've got. Do you like to, back to England?
1: That's yes. The
2: other one. Yeah. So basically everyone wants Stuart I mean, Lancaster. Seriously,
1: he wouldn't go back to England and put himself through that for a gold pig, would he? And why the <laughs> fuck know, would you? Do big... you know what I mean?
3: i bet he's desperate. If I was him, I'd be waiting for that phone call just to tell him to fuck off. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but you do it in a really polite way,
3: because yeah, it's yeah, still yeah. Lancaster. It's just too nice, isn't he? If Warren Gatlin came wrong. to That's England,
1: if Warren Gatling came to England, I'd be so happy I'd shit a rainbow.
3: But I it mean, won't happen. I mean, it's not going to happen. He wants, he wants to go back to New Zealand for a kickoff.
2: There's and something think, about um, Warren Gatlin's yeah. style that would suit English rugby very well, I think. Absolutely. But they should have got him 10 years ago, not now. I was amazed
3: when he came out of Wasp, they didn't go straight there anyway, to be honest. They must have tricked yeah. it, but thank God they did. Oh,
2: yeah.
1: They are talking about uh, even Richard Cockrell's in the frame.
2: Yeah, they're basically just really desperate for anyone that's not Eddie Jones. Well, my, right my now.
3: show was Rob Baxter. I thought Rob Baxter was a great man for the job. He's ruled himself out. He's no interest, apparently. yeah ruled himself out.
1: Yeah, well, I think he's saying, well, I think now he's still relatively young, isn't he? I suppose. And I think he's saying he's he quite 50, enjoys. He's
3: 50 49, 50. Yeah.
1: So, and I think there's something about that missing day to day club management, I suppose, isn't there? Seeing the players every day, building something. Not has got to be a certain.
2: You've got to be a certain type of coach and a type of personality to be good at international management, I think, because as you say, your time with them is so limited. Well, Rob's got... a real
3: club man as well. I mean, he's, yeah. he's grown you know, his family are all from there. Obviously, his brother's coaching down there with him. He's, he's grown up there, come through the, all the levels there, captain the club, coached the club. He's not going to, he's not going to leave Exeter. But he's a fantastic coach. And he'd be, he'd be oh a no great doubt, group, yeah, no
2: doubt, yeah. Well, if he does, don't do it after 2019 when it seems like you know things will either be very good or very bad.
3: I think why people like him would be good, someone like Robert would be good. you talk about doing club and national rugby. You look at someone like Exeter, where they've always operated in the black. Right? They, they, yeah. they don't go into debt. They don't spend a lot of money. And that's what a, a national coach is more about, that sort of man management role, isn't it? Where I think more than... You can't just buy players in to play for England.
2: No, they do true. Yeah, you make the best of what you've got sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, I think he'd be really good at it, to be honest, but I don't blame him. We kind of bought Nathan Hughes down. in,
1: but, you know, I'll take your point. But it's indeed... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so it's interesting to know where it All will go, All of the coaches really.
2: going everywhere. And then, of course, apparently. Eddie
1: Jones is there for 12 months afterwards, kind of sitting there on your shoulder like a
3: sort of angry
1: yo like
2: grinning, grinning prick. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> like, so we like Eddie Jones as well.
2: He has, he has absolutely pissed his chips in the last Cole, Would
1: Eddie you like Cole him if well? he was a Welsh manager? Would you like his style? Would that Would make you like him the way he is?
3: I liked him before, and then I think he's, he's dropped a bollock a couple of times. Um, I think he called Wales a shithole, which is fair enough if you live in Wales. I do it all the time, right? <laughs>
4: <laughs>
3: if, you, if you don't live in Wales, you can't do it. That's the rule, isn't it? That's the golden rule. You know, you can you can slag off somewhere you're from. Yeah. But, uh, you know, if. Uh,
2: you can piss out of the tent, you can't piss into
3: the exactly tent. Exactly that, Josh. Yeah. Exactly. Eddie Joe talks about being a little shitty country or whatever. That's fine if, you, if you're living in Wales. In fact, it'd, it'd be. Rude not to do that because you are wales. But I mean <laughs> it's just unsettled, right? He, even if he was an Aussie saying it, it would have been funny. But the fact that he's an Aussie coach in England really pissed everybody off And way. I would be very surprised if he ever got a Welsh coaching job. Plus, uh, yes. He yeah. always starts well and ends up crap anyway.
2: Which sure I re- I really hope that is the trajectory he goes on, but we'll see, I suppose.
3: There's a very real chance. I don't want really to get jump on the on the Welsh bandwagon too much early early doors, but there's a there's a wonderful chance. I'm looking at the groups of the World Cup, England easily got the toughest group of all whole nations. There's yeah. a real chance if, if France pull out of the bag against the English, which they're prone to do, and if Argentina play well, England may not get out of the group again.
2: Which would be really, really funny. I know not for you, Lee, but it would be really funny.
1: Yeah, laugh it up, footballs. But yeah, so the, <laughs> the, 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 I am, I'm less worried after the autumn than I was
3: before no, I, don't, I don't think they will. I think France is a bit of a car crash at the moment. So, um,
1: and of course yeah. then, yeah, and did you see France
2: this autumn? Yeah, yes, exactly. I mean, they were funny. But they, had the, they were a sort, of, sort of funny that could rapidly turn into quite good if they got any semblance of organisation.
3: Well, very French, isn't it? It's very uh, French yeah, to be like Yeah, mega French. To be absolutely abject and then just play brilliantly and beat the best team in the world. They've, they've done it before. And so...
2: they only have to beat England on this occasion. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, exactly what you mean, what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> hey, right. so what other news yeah. have we got? USA men's sevens team has reached number one in the rankings for the first time. And did you, did anybody, did anybody see the try that Danny Barrett scored against New Zealand this weekend? I did see that. It was fantastic.
2: It was glorious in its. I've been on the
3: pitch virtually solidly for two days. So I (laughs) missed.
1: I bet you could have run it in if you hadn't been, Mike. But it was a, yeah. So. He, well, he basically got the ball, what, on his own halfway line, in, on yeah. the right wing. He's a big lad. He, just basically, he basically ran straight and just kept dropping his shoulder and he bounced two oh, off lovely. him, didn't he? He bounced two off him, oh, who lovely. were yes. flying at him. And they actually, to be fair, they did fly at him
3: NFL-style, didn't they? Yeah,
1: they were flying no shoulder-first at him and they just yeah. bounced so off. Bad. It was a wonderful try.
3: See, people go too high, mate. That's what people do all the time these yeah. days. It's the... I I think I mentioned last time Phil Steele, who's a mate of mine, is a great rugby commentator and a nice bloke. Mm. He he came up with a great quote of saying, um, it's like you're always told in school they can't go anywhere without their nipples.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a it is a it is a, a proper rugby league coach is saying, They can't run bare legs.
3: Yeah, there we yes. are, mate, see? Yeah. It's not hard, is it? Definitely. And if you watch these. There's always some clip on YouTube of some monster Polynesian fellow bouncing people off in, in in the NRL or whatever. If you watch the ones that actually put him on the floor, they're all the, always the ones who go like knees and below, yeah. and then they're down. You try sure. you, you try to take a big bloke up around the chest. You're going to get banged up.
1: Remember yeah. Rob Burrow who played for Leeds rugby league in the last yeah, 10 years yeah of course yeah very small sort of Rob Jim Millward type yeah, like size Andy
3: Gregory's sort of size
1: yeah and he no problem with his defence just dropped him just had a the technique Ooh. that just dropped him basically <laughs> no dominant collision no I'll just make sure you fall over
3: that's kind of that's all yeah, the... <laughs> exactly. well, you've got to do isn't it any more news um no no really really I, didn't, I didn't see the whole thing the scarlet's got a bit miffed some of the fans there I, did, I didn't like I said I've been out a lot <laughs> the last 48 hours but um, <laughs> about just... a non-British coach again I, I this, must be so depressing. If you're, if you're a if you're a really good British rugby coach what you need to do to get a crack at coaching at the top level I don't know it just seems you know, they'll take if you've got, if you've got a, a South African accent or a New Zealand accent or an Australian accent you, you've got a foot in the door you know and then the, the Scots boys the Irish boys the Welsh boys the English boys it's a tough way to make a living for
2: a coach. Well, you look, there's no Welsh coaches left for the regions now. There's no oh, there's no Scottish coaches in Scotland. There are is there one Irish coach?
1: Is there any Irish coaches that oh, are in... reckon Jonathan oh, Humph- Humph- Don't they reckon Jonathan Humphreys is coming back to Wales for the Wales forwards job?
2: Yes, apparently he's getting the Wales, which would be a (laughs) fun.
1: Mike's just pulled a wonderful face. (laughs) He's very well respected as a coach, isn't he? Regardless of what you may think of him as a player. Well,
3: maybe. I mean,
2: he did a very good job with Scotland.
3: Yeah, I mean, fair enough, yes. But um, I just, I don't know. Um, It's like when they brought Rob Rob McBride in. I just thought, they wonder why they brought Rob McBride in and then suddenly out lineups and scrums with shit. I mean um, it wasn't a, it wasn't a coincidence.
2: <laughs> and yet here yeah. he remains today. I know, yeah, yeah. I don't I've you know. I've, I've often felt like McBride has sort of I mean obviously a lot of people have spoken I, about Rob Howdy over the last ten years, but McBride has never really got that much level of criticism and our set piece has not been good.
3: No, he des- and he deserves it. Um which is why I think that I mean, Gatlin going is a big blow, but when Sean Edwards goes, that's, that's an even bigger blow because, I mean, I think, I think our defence has been magnificent on the whole with Sean there, right? And then when he goes, there's lots of weaknesses in the Welsh game. I'm um, not going to be too down on it, but, I mean, I think our defence is, is fantastic. And it's- if we start letting teams run in two or three tries, we're going to be chasing the game and it's going to be a very different sort of Welsh look. There, right?
2: It's going to be very weird to not have Gatlin and edwards and you know even howley and mcbride to be honest it's going to be a very strange situation right. to not see a wales team done by them but anyway we probably shouldn't right enough now yes. Yes. <laughs> That's yes. well, josh. and this weekend
1: this weekend what do what we learn yes. about this weekend well um, go on josh you can go
2: i've learned that the secret behind uh leinster's success is in fact uh potentially flammable flags <laughs> and you take those away and, you know, it's the only logical explanation, you know, you beat it.
1: And, ev- and everyone knows that the, the RDS, the Royal Dublin Showground, is basically like a tyre fire permanently. It's like a rolling
2: blaze because of their <laughs> flags, not, isn't it? Let's not be around the bush here. This is perhaps the flag gate, whatever <laughs> you want to call it. Possibly the most stupidest and tedious furore in the history of rugby union. If you give that much of a fuck about a cheap plastic flag, just have a word. Just have a word. Like, yes, Bath massive killjoys for demanding correct flag safety certification. But equally, (laughs) you want to bring a thousand flags into a rugby ground.
1: I want to know who is in in charge of that. Whose job is it to be the flag checker?
2: (laughs) It's a hell of a job, isn't it?
3: It's probably that prick, a, a twerkin' who dresses all in white with a big, with a big top hat. <laughs> Mister <it>? England, yeah. <laughs> yeah but, Christ. Like, so to him.
1: Somebody has dug out earlier today because this thing won't go away. Somebody's dug out that Leinster's flags are made by the same company that make Bath's flags, and Bath yeah. are allowed to have their flags. And the other um, ones weren't. Yeah. I mean, obviously whatever. they just decided not to let him have flags, didn't they? It was just a ridiculous yeah. that. Obviously, the eleven-year-old lad who was running the Twitter that day was left with trying to explain why that was the case. Because <laughs> Bruce Craiger probably just said they're not bringing any fucking flags in this ground. Time to fuck off.
2: But whatever happened to just to be fair, know, mate?
3: Team? Like. Thank you, Josh. Exactly. Why do you need a fucking flag for? There's flags <laughs> yeah. on
2: the flagpoles, right? Yeah. What? And, oh, but equally, from Bath's point of view, why are you so threatened by flags that you contrive spurious reasons <laughs> to ban them? Like everyone comes out of this looking like a total bell end.
4: <laughs> I mean, but more importantly, we're very strict. Yeah.
2: More importantly, the lack of a thousand whatever dubiously fire retardant pieces of blue nylon flapping in the bath winds apparently had a massive impact on Lentz's ability to string anything together because they were really shit for <laughs> large portions of that game. And still managed to win. And still managed to win, obviously. But yeah, I mean, you could say that they struggled for fluidity thanks to Bath being remarkably decent for once and Sam Underhill being a fucking beast. But I say they know it was flagged.
1: He was magnificent again.
2: Oh, oh God, he... he was good. Like,
3: I just want to go back on the flags. I can't let it go. <laughs> no, I've got on no but on it's
2: headphones.
3: right. I mean, so let's go. if I was in charge of world rugby, right, which is, you know, I'd never say never, but I mean, there's, there's certain things. Like, Josh, you, you hit that on the head there, mate, right? All you need for a rugby game is what you're wearing anyway. Yeah. And maybe like a little badge or a little rosette or something or a little, a little, a little lapel pin. If you're dressing up with face paint and fucking flags and stupid daffodils on your head and wearing a Welsh rugby shirt we never played for the team, right? <laughs> or dressed up like a sheep or a Christ knows a St. George the dragon, whatever the fuck, or a leprechaun, get the fuck out. Because what you're doing is you're stopping a proper rugby fan from watching a game of rugby. You're nicking a seat. You're a seat theft. Seat thieving bastard.
2: <laughs> Ultimately. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, it is very silly how very angry... A lot of people have got about this. David Flatman said that he was embarrassed by his club. Oh, it was he? a bastard. It's like, come oh, on, mate. All they did was say you can't bring those <laughs> fucking flags in. Like, regardless of Did whether you see or not at,
3: the, at that Barbars game where they went down the NFL route of having like a pre arranged, uh, like a 10 pin bowling thing, right? Yes. Well, someone should have been allowed that. It's okay. That's the deal. If you're going to humiliate the defence after you've got a try with a pre arranged drill like that. We're allowed to run you over and kick you in the fucking ear when you're on the floor.
4: Yeah, we're getting
2: pre arranged to give you a shoeing at every run. Did that go the way you thought it was going to go, lads? It didn't, did
3: it? There's no no room for that, is there? I mean, I'm I'm all for celebrating, but just I I like to shake hands, jog back the halfway line, and get going again. You know, there's no. I can understand the youngsters taking a shirt off or getting a bit enthusiastic, but as soon as you start going down the NFL, bloody lining up like 10 pins or, doing, or pretending to mow the grass or whatever else you're doing, that is, you're asking for trouble
4: there. <laughs> if my again. son
3: did that, he'd be, he'd be walking home, but that way. <laughs> Michael, Nine miles would be that
1: mess-
2: that How would Vic, like the neighbour, feel, the feel the about such of things? Return for proper rugby.
3: If I showed Vic someone doing that next door, <laughs> it would be, well, the, you'd, have, you'd have another heart attack. <laughs> <laughs>
1: What else we have for the weekend? When it comes to Europe, Exeter are a bit like the Labour Party. Honestly, Politics, they just eh? They want not. to stay in, but ultimately can't figure out a way to make it work.
2: <laughs> like like, it, it just felt like a lesson for everybody, that game. Like, certain teams just don't get Europe. Like, Ospreys in the early 2000s, brilliant team, couldn't shit in Europe. Claremont in the 2010s, just perennially not... Getting to a final and losing, mm. like the need to like play, pretty much win every game. The need to adapt to different styles. The need to play with a bit of fucking abandon, regardless of.
1: But weirdly, they playing. started with a bit of abandon, didn't they? That yeah, first try was, was great, and then I, th- I think they were just generally surprised that Gloucester turned up with a rugby team for once.
2: Well, that's the thing, yeah. Like Gloucester on the other, they just ducked to water. You know, they they just were like, "Fuck it, everyone's expecting us to lose this, so let's just." go a bit mental and chuck it around and see teams, what happens.
3: Why do teams always seem to play... If you're playing professional rugby, your, your skills are at a level where you're going to catch a ball that's catchable almost all the time, right? Hope so yeah. So why, don't, why do teams play the, some of their best rugby when they're chasing a game from the inside of their own 22 with like a few minutes left and they start throwing the ball around and they play what they call high-risk rugby, right? An adult professional rugby player with a size 5 ball, that's as grippy as they are these days, it's not high risk to throw a pass near them and then catch it, right? That's just,
1: well, that's I'm, I raised raise the same question with, with Japan, who just move it around with absolute ease, yeah, and people all. go, well, isn't that amazing? It's like, well, actually, how is it, your point, Mike, how is it people who are probably more talented, fully paid professors in the top leagues in the world, yeah. why can't they do it with such ease? And it has to be simply because they're not encouraged to do it. Because well, of the, dad, per- the percentages and all that stuff, you know.
3: Well, my dad talks about when he was um, in grammar school in the 60s in, in Wales, and you know, playing rugby for the school. And he, and he, was a, he played front row, the old man, hooker and prop, whatever. Um, and he, But it was quite quick as well. So he, he said in one game, he just took off with the ball and got bollocked by the games master. who said, Bermans, what are you doing? He said, well, he said, you don't run with the ball. You're a forward lad. He said, you know, your job is to get the ball and give it to the backs. <laughs> well, so there was that you were just coached out of, of doing things that came naturally to you, and it must be coaching, you know. It must yeah. be people. I remember when I, I I would play a very not much rugby league, very little rugby league, but I played a little bit, and on the sort of first and second tackle, we were told just to take it up. You know, you, you didn't pass on the uh, early yeah, on in, in the tackle in the tackle count. You know, high risk
1: early in the tackle count is a shootable offence. Yeah,
3: you know, and why though? Because then you see when play when teams we throw that missed pass on the first tackle is when you catch the defences out, right? So it's only high risk if you're going to knock it on or throw a forward pass. Otherwise, it's just rugby.
1: Or throw a shit pass, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, I think a lot of players can't pass off the weekend, which is a bit shocking
2: It's interesting that Baxter was said after the game, like, you know, they usually have a sort of... In the premiership, they're sort of like a, a well-oiled machine and they have a way that they play and the way that they work and... It's something about it just doesn't work in Europe. And, it's, it, it, you know, it's, it still goes what you're saying they, they're coached so much that if things aren't sort of unfolding in the way that they've been coached to expect it to unfold, they don't seem to know what to they do should, with it. They, they
3: should yeah. talk about, with, with cricket, like a cricket analogy, is you'd have to sort of prove yourself at the county level and then prove yourself and work your way through. And by the time you got to sort of, you know, three or four seasons in, you finally get your England cap, all that flair that you had at 18 years of age has been dr- drilled out of you, right? So yeah. and I think the same thing happens in rugby. I think you see kids come through and you've always got to sort of earn your stripes and go, go back to rugby league again. I remember they chucked like someone like Schofield in at 17, you know, to Great Britain. Mm. And there was always that, if you, you know, if, you, if you're good enough, and it's an old cliche, but if, you, if you're good enough, you're old enough, right? Mm. So you see a lot of players come through. I see it with like, I coach my little boys under nines rugby team, right? We're now doing, because it's, it's a directive from the, from the union as well. We started to do line defense drills at under nines rugby. Right? Well, just, just, I mean, I don't know where we're going to go with it. We're going to move the offside line or do something. It's so regimented. You talk about that. It, it must be, like Lee said, this it, is a very stat driven sport these days, right? Mm. It must be that someone's looked at that and said, the way we're going to retain possession and score tries is to do this, right? And so, I don't know.
1: Yeah, it is. There is a money ball thing. I, I, was, I found myself thinking at the weekend, you know, when people kick for touch and it bounces. 12 inches inside the touchline. And everyone yeah. stands up and goes, what a kick. Yeah. yeah. I reckon there's going to be a point at some point where some analysis somewhere is going to say, that's actually a poor kick.
2: Yeah. Because you're actually flirting sure with failure
1: it. too closely. You yeah. should make it bounce five feet inside because then yeah, it won't go maybe. out. And I think this is the... Sports science in a way kind of is brilliant and enlightening, but in some ways ruins everything. The, the, the biggest example of a sport that's been ruined by sports science is cycling. I read Bradley Wiggins' biography, and in the old days, in the cycle of the Tour de France, if somebody stood up and attacked on a climb, you had to decide, do I go, do I not go, what the fuck, oh, and, and you'd have to think. What happens now is, is that they'll go, and in his race microphone, race radio, somebody will say to Wiggins, he's going at 750 watts, he won't be able to maintain that for more than seven minutes, you're operating at 720 watts, you've proven in training you can do that for 27 minutes, let him go, you'll catch up with him eventually.
3: Jesus. And, actually,
1: and then he wins, of course, doesn't he? And yeah, actually, yeah. isn't that, in a way, fascinating and incredibly impressive, but from a sporting point of view, kind of miserable? And I think there is something about your, the point about how defences work now. How sh- Nobody's committing to rucks anymore. There's a reason for that, because they've probably demonstrated it's not worth the effort to go in there.
3: But then when you see teams that do counter-ruck... Mm. It's happened quite a bit recently. It completely takes uh, the, the team with the ball by, by, by surprise. Mm. And people are counter-rucking through the middle of a ruck and getting the ball back. I don't, I, I don't even know anymore what the actual law of that is. I watch a game thinking, well, if I'm coming in through the back feet of a ruck, you know, why, do, why don't people contest it more? Is there, what does the actual law say? If I'm, if I'm coming in through the gate, if I'm going through the back feet as a defender, I'm on my feet and the ball's there, why is the ref saying, leave it, leave it, leave it? Why am I leaving it? I don't understand it.
1: Because once the ruck is formed, you can't, you, you can't use your hands, can you? If you first you know then you can. So,
3: so why don't you see people come through the ruck on their feet? Why is the ref you saying, can, let him play it, let him play it, let play it? You, let play it? You, can dry, you can
1: drive over off your feet, but you can't go with it with your hands. And, you, and you're not allowed to pull people into the ruck either.
3: But, pe- but people don't go through with their feet, is what I'm saying. Oh, right, OK. Because the referee's screaming, leave it, leave it alone, leave it, leave it, leave it, leave it. I think. And that also, if I just a little quick gripe, right, lads, while we're on the subject, right? <laughs> no, but I can understand why the refs talk to the players, right? Mm. I like think we mentioned it before. Right? Did, yeah. I don't want to hear that all game. It happened again on the, when I was watching two weeks ago. It was just the referee for 80 minutes. I was like, oh, shut up. Just shut up.
1: I had one the other week, and I'll just say it again quickly. And it happened again this weekend. When you think about what chances an attack got in rugby now when everybody is so well drilled, as we've already talked about, they're on the back foot, so they're pretty much right next to the ball, and then the ref basically tells them exactly when the ball comes out.
4: They don't it's even okay. have
1: to look yeah. for when the ball comes out. He just yeah. got the balls well, out now. So it's like saying ready, wait, steady, go, go to a defensive yeah. line, basically. It's
3: yeah. like, but it's like, it's like the advantage law as well, right? Without well, going into too much depth. The amount of advantage played now. I think if it was a scrum advantage, it should literally be you've got two seconds, right? If you're going to run with it, all you're going to get was the ball back anyway, right? That advantage is over straight away. Roman Port
1: did that on Saturday, actually, to be fair, for the first time. But it was
3: unusual that he did that. it was. And then, like, with... If it's a penalty advantage, whatever, say two pairs of hands or five metres or something, because the times they think a penalty advantage now means you can keep playing with that ball. If you don't score a try, we will bring it back and give you the kick. And that's not what advantage should be. I don't think that's what advantage should be.
2: Or if you want that shot goal, just can instantly knock it on and and take the kick to the post. Don't decide to like go on for five or ten minutes. Sometimes it seems, and then well, advantage you
1: until to... you score, isn't it? Yeah, you well, have to score. It. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, if you don't score, you just get another go. Yeah, yeah. Um, what else do we learn this weekend? Edinburgh are quite the conundrum, aren't they? They don't make a lot of
2: sense, and yet in some ways they do. In some ways, they make more sense than anyone else. But
1: well, they're topping their league, their group now. Mm. Having beaten Newcastle, a group that contains Montpellier and Toulon, who basically pay their players in pallets of gold bullion, like the Italian <laughs> job, and, uh, and and Edinburgh. Um, and when you just, talk there's... about building in, edit weirdly. I've come to the conclusion there's some kind of weird, something to do with the moon cyclical orbit thing. Because Edinburgh weirdly do well in Europe about every six years or seven yeah. years or so.
2: Remember that time they got to the semi-final and it was bizarre?
1: Yeah, and they were dreadful really everywhere understood. else. That was in yeah. '09, I think. So it's probably a bit longer than I'm saying. But there's, and, then, and they also, didn't they get, when did they get to a final? Did they get to a final before? Can't they
2: got remember. to the Challenge Cup final a couple of years ago. Right.
3: Yeah. yeah. Well, so, what I find weird, I spent quite a bit of time in Edinburgh so once a year you know, well, all, you know but you talk about you go to Montpellier and there's rugby 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 everywhere right you go mm. to Edinburgh you don't even see a pair of rugby posts I mean it's how, how they do so well in an area where rugby I would doubt this is in the top four sports in Edinburgh
2: right yeah, yeah. and you think about it's not just Ed- it's not just Edinburgh either you know this I reckon this might actually finally possibly be Glasgow's year maybe um because even though they've got a fucking hard as nails group with with Saracens and Leon and the Blues like they they're a fucking good team that
1: was a like, ma- that was a mega result away in Lyon. They, they were incredibly,
2: incredibly how good. do
3: they how do they do it so i'm saying i don't i don't understand how they get the players there i don't understand how they play that well there's just
2: it's good oh. coaching and good good I, squad development they've they've the, the SIU has done a bloody good job of Pulling in anybody who can play rugby.
3: Well, they got that has... sort of player. Yeah, that sort of player recruitment program from any yeah. sort of. Got... And
2: they
1: do a fantastic
2: job. They found job Hugh of it. Jones, didn't they? For example. Yeah. Oh, he's a yeah.
3: But I mean, and there's you... no there's no real unless I'm missing a trick. I didn't see a lot of grassroots rugby there. There wasn't a lot of.
1: No, I think it's I think it's similar to certain parts of England. Really, it's probably played in the nice schools. Mm. And there's a few, and, and that's not, I mean, there are leagues in Scotland, of course, but it doesn't seem to, and people, any Scottish listeners will probably come on and have a massive go about this afterwards, but <laughs> because there probably are clubs all over the place. But um, it is, when you think about the population, then the dominance of football there, it's amazing cool. that, it, that it, they do keep pulling it through, and because the hotbed's in the borders, isn't it? But
2: That's the thing, yeah, the hotbed of, of Scottish rugby tradition, is a place where there is no longer even a professional team.
1: But they do still structure people through into them. they structure
2: people through it. I in think they realise that, that their
1: market smart. for tickets and, and, and attention was probably best to have it into, you know... Oh, yeah. They are world cities, aren't they, Glasgow and yeah. in Edinburgh?
2: It makes know? all the sense in the world. But, you know, you look at their squad, and, yeah, they've got a couple of imports here and there, but, you know, this that Glasgow squad is basically all Scottish-born dudes.
3: That's amazing. Their, 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 their recruitment process must be fantastic. Whoever's doing that job for them...
2: Yeah, and
1: Indeed. even the ones that aren't, I mean, you look at the Home brothers, the Fagerson brothers, they're all, you yeah. know, they're all, I know, you know, born in Scotland, shall we say. I don't want to say proper yeah, Scottish, cool. so that's not right, but born in Scotland. You've got the Grey brothers and Richie's struggled with injury for a little while. You know, uh, Hogg, Darcy Ray, which is a brilliant It name. is name. Pro-
2: it is a proper golden, like, golden generation, so you don't want to say that because it's no. fucking horrible, but, you know, you look at the players that they've got coming through, you know, both in the pack and in, you know, they've always had either a good pack or good backs.
3: I think it's a golden period for, for, for the, and I'm going to go back to the five nations, the five nations at the moment. I, 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 obviously the Ireland thing with, with New Zealand recently, but you know, I'm, but I, I wouldn't watch a, a Wales Island game and think that, you know, I, I would fancy our chances against, against Ireland, you know, at home, certainly. Right. It's a lot,
2: there's no. a lot of good teams at the moment. It's, yeah.
3: It's, I can't remember a time when I took my little boy to see his first game, went to go and see the, um, what are we going to see? Well, the Suffolk was game, wasn't it? The Suffolk game mm. recently. At no point did I think we were going to lose that game. No. Nah. And that was such a weird feeling. Even <laughs> to be up two scores and not think we're going to fuck this up in the 78th <laughs> yeah. minute. Didn't, I didn't think that once. I thought we got these. And the same with Tonga. When we were, when we were and I'm sort of banging about Wales, but. When I went to go to the Tonga game, and halftime was a bit close. And I thought, that's just sort of game we'd have fucked up in the past, right? And that didn't happen, right? Yeah. We blew them away in the second half. And I think about well Ireland did against New Zealand. That, and that wasn't a lucky. That was a lucky win against
2: the Old. Oh World. God, no!
3: They played fantastic. I could. I, it was almost like watching. We talked about intensity, of you know, I played a bit of rugby, right? I was watching that, thinking this isn't like watching something that isn't rugby. It was, so, it was so fast. They were, they were hitting so hard. They were so, they were so fit. I couldn't believe the fitness levels on those lads. Both teams. It was a great game of everybody to watch. Fantastic,
1: yeah. Um, speaking of blowing people away in the second half... <laughs> do
3: where you going
2: know with this.
1: <laughs> Cardiff <Yeah>. Blues... Uh...
3: <laughs> Back in the nightclub, club not you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey! Come on.
1: But uh, the... Um really got yeah. I think you you did a very poorly aging tweet about it didn't you Josh when you said that all oh, Saracens well, don't like playing Welsh teams then they got hammered well, yeah but it was it, it, it was,
2: yeah. it, it was like in that first half the blues gave Saris a massive scare uh, in a similar way that the Ospreys did last season um and obviously Saris won both games because Saris have more money more depth more quality more everything um but yeah, you know, certainly for the first half, that was really encouraging for the Blues. Unfortunately, Saracens are basically the fucking Borg. And there was only one way that game was going to go after about 42 minutes, really, unfortunately for the Blues. And that was that. But... And are you forget in the first
1: half that, that Saracens had two tries this allowed basically every time Saracens got the ball, you thought, Oh, wait, here we go. Here we because go. The and fact there was they, a bit of a forward pass or, or something threw, else that meant yeah. it wasn't. And then they came out yeah. and did It's still it's amazing when they do what they do, Saracens. It really They're it?
2: the best team in Europe again, and it's kind of boring that they are. Because...
3: I was on the, the piss with a mate of mine uh, called Brian Davis on the weekend. Uh, and Brian, captain Saracens back in the Amateur days, right? Right. Mm. He's a Barry boy, but he was saying, When when, when uh, when, when the game they used game to went, win,
1: I'm... absolutely
4: nothing.
3: For you. <laughs> <laughs> So when the game went open, he was captain the one season. Then the game went open and he was sacked. Like, it was, it was in the same week, I think.
1: The same phone call. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've gone pro and you're sacked. <laughs> See you, Brian. Cheers, <laughs> just,
3: just Skipper. Fuck off. It was like... uh,
1: yeah. But a What's great that, first half, that was,
3: actually. Well, on, listen, you, you know a lot more about this than I do. How does the, the salary cap Work with England because <laughs> I mean, is it purely well.
1: voluntary? How is it? No, it's I not mean, voluntary, and they can have a is it one player outside the salary got cap? Two players, two players, so they, outside can of pay,
2: salary... they can pay two players basically anything because they're outside the salary cap. Hence, okay. Stuart the rest... Hogg
1: can go to Exeter and get paid a fuckload basically, yeah.
2: yeah. Um, but then, yeah, the rest is what is it, eight million in salary cap? I can't remember, it's off of my head. I should know this,
3: which is a long. lot of money. I mean that's not centrally funded, obviously. I, no, can, God, no. You can spend up to eight million. Yeah. So people like Saracens are going to spend the full whack plus two big contracts on top of it.
2: Aye. So um, when you think that you know the region's self-limiting salary cap is two and a half million, I know it's nuts. I it's mean, nuts. mean, I mean obviously central contracts play a part in that, but it's seven yeah. million. Seven million is it? Okay, so that's a lot of money. I mean, it's not seven
3: million plus like another two half millions or whatever.
2: So yeah, probably. Yes. Yeah. yeah, easy. And and yeah, the, there's all sorts of, you know, stuff.
1: Lots of so rumours fly around about how they make things uh, work that's outside yes. of the salary cap and stuff like that. Having said that, when you look at Saracen's squad... It's very homegrown. It's a lot of it pretty it homegrown. They've done a lot of work around Hertfordshire and, and that part of North London and stuff and tried to do it. And every time all the internationals disappear, I mean, Shot is knocking around and stuff, but generally... and they've uh, pulled back the, oh, what's the American winger called whose name escapes me now?
2: Uh, that guy, yeah. Yeah, Chris. No, uh, Chris Wiles.
4: Chris, Chris Wiles. Wiles,
1: thank you. But generally, it tends to be a load of people who've come from their academy. And of course, it's told you came to their academy. Did it is, is come to their academy? Ben Earl, he's on their academy. Yeah. I imagine their academy's
3: fantastically
1: well funded in that case. Yeah. That's the other thing, yeah. But of course, that's not in your salary cap, is it? But so, I, And I suppose if you are a benefactor of a club, I'm sure that's where you'd want to throw your money, isn't it?
4: Absolutely I'll build well. you
1: a magnificent, yeah. you know.
2: That's it. what Exeter That's what Extra have done. That's why Exeter have, have managed to sort of get to where they are, despite not really having those big names or the sort of. And they're starting to get more of those big names now, as you have to when you become a certain level of massive. But like, they've yeah,
3: well. They've, they've always been like the only team between like Penzance and Bristol. Those so they they have they recruited recruit pool, a lot of yeah. the Cornish boys and a lot of the Devon boys, and you know there was a they got a big pool to draw from.
2: Mm.
1: Anything else on the weekend?
2: Um, loyalty. There's a lot of talk of loyalty in rugby this weekend, I noticed. Uh, it's been a bit a one way street, though, so why should players care?
3: Exactly, mate. I was going to say <laughs> the same thing. Like, they always talk about loyalty from players, which is nice to see. Right? Yeah. But you know, as a player, if you get a knock or an injury or, or you, you're out of form, if mm. they could possibly bin you, you're going to get binned.
4: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Hey, Brian Smith will tell you that, won't he?
3: Yeah, you know they want to. They want to. <laughs> or you could just turn pro, and get the boot, you know. <laughs> well, they, but then they want loyalty for the players. You know, you got yeah. you got to play play for the club, play for the badge and all that.
2: Bollocks. Yeah, there was a lot of yeah, there was a lot of players sort of because basically everyone's leaving Wasps this summer by the looks of it. Elliot Daly's off. Um, Nathan Hughes is off. Um, and it also looks like Manitou Laggy and Ellis Genge might be gone from Leicester. And people like Austin Healy lining up to basically criticise these players for being disloyal or chasing money. And but it's fuck, like... Austin Healy can fuck right
3: up. <laughs> Well, yeah.
2: Just generally,
3: yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Well, I like, missed the first bit. If,
2: if, <laughs> if a player never lifted a finger in training and their condition was shot, like, you can bet your ass that a club wouldn't be offering a new contract. So why should Elliot Daly stick around with Wasps and their substandard training facilities if he can go to Saracens and be treated like a king?
1: And people talk, people talk about this loyalty sort of thing, but how many players in this day and age, in any sport really, actually do it? Yeah. The only reason they do it is because they're offered an adequate contract that keeps them there. And, and they might get, you might get away with having a contract that's 5% less because of a yeah. loyalty
3: thing. But you're not yeah. going to
1: get away with a contract that's 15%, 20% less
3: well, this is the thing no. with, the, with like Reese Webb and Wayne, I'll go back to Wales again, but I mean, you can't say the professional player, you know, who's got a, who's got a, a very short career, you know, you're yeah. retired by the age of 30, 35, you, you've got another 50 years on the planet after that to pay, you know, to, yeah. to pay the bills. You can't say to somebody, you can't go somewhere else and make three times as much money. It's ridiculous. That's yeah, ridiculous. And a
1: chance to win something. I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. the, ob- the obvious one is always somebody like Matt Latissier, isn't it? He stuck yeah. it out in football, stuck it out of Southampton for years. Obviously, he wasn't that arsed about winning things, liked being the main man in the team, got played yeah. plenty to pay for his mortgage and live the life he wanted to live, and that was yeah. fine for him. But he's the exception that kind of proves the rule, or there's, there's a very small number of him that prove yeah. the rule. You know, John yeah. Terry was a one-club man because they kept giving him massive contracts and they kept winning trophies.
2: Yeah, it's just like, as much, you know, I fucking love. He like having Wyn, sex right. with his
1: teammates' wives.
2: Well, there is that think. as well. Yeah. Do we all? Real. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, Alan Wynne Jones. Lo- I love Alan Wynne. Incredible servant to the Ospreys. Want him to never, ever play for anyone else. However, I'm not kidding myself that if, you know, he's up out of contract end of this year, I think, or end of next year, after the World Cup, I think. Like, if he gets an offer from France that is bigger than what's in Wales, he will go. And he I'll should go. And he absolutely should.
3: If Austin Healy got offered three times the cash <laughs> to go to BBC, you wouldn't see him for fucking dust. <laughs> There'd just be bits of hair transplant everywhere behind him. Wait, 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 wait,
2: wait, 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 <laughs> take him off so quickly. Plus, I'm always baffled by people who go about, like go to bat, effectively, for the management. Like, the- it's like... Why, are you, like players, just want to have like the best employment situation, which is all any of us want to do. And if you're an and, owner, like, I mean, mad.
3: If you're a multimillionaire or a billionaire, owner, good luck to you, right? I don't begrudge you one penny of your money, right? Mm-hmm. You've you got that money from being fairly ruthless in business, I'd imagine, right?
2: Yeah, you're probably a dickhead. Let's be honest.
3: Yeah, <laughs> you're probably a dickhead. You know. So and then yeah. there's, there's there's a principle in in the if I talk with the NFL briefly again, right? But, and America sports in general they call it the meat principle right maximize earnings at all times because mm. like, they just realize you've got to make as much money as you can in that shorter time as possible because yeah. you've got such there's no guarantees you know
2: not for long you know it's it's a short ass career and you know if i i can't understand anybody being sympathetic with a millionaire or a billionaire who's being asked to pay too much like a little bit more money for a player that's putting their body on the line
4: Every Look, week for it. It always winds me up as well
1: that when agents and players get blamed for inflating and this C V C money that's coming to the premiership, I think yes. now at least at least half a dozen people in the last week have come out and said the same thing that this shouldn't go on players' wages, it should go Why on not? facilities and stuff. That's not a you know, okay, fine, that's a point of view, but it's obviously a line that's coming out. But it's like hang on a minute, you chose to pay them the money. <laughs> Markets yeah. only work when somebody says, this is what I think it's worth, and you say, well, I'm happy to pay that then. That is yeah, literally how fucking exactly. markets work. Yeah. If, you, you know, so you... if, if the market wasn't right, you go, well, I'm not paying it. That's too much money. Yeah. yeah. It's just as if I'll they're, they're the all victims of this, you know.
3: I want 250 <laughs> grand a year. Well, We're not going to pay you that. We pay 150. No, but I want 250, though. Well, you're not having it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I want it, though. Well, fuck off, then. I mean, it's not... That's the way that it works. I
1: want £1.2 million for my for house, but it's a terrace in Ebber Vale. Yeah, but I want yeah, £1.2 yeah. million pound for it. Well, I'm not paying you. What do you fucking mean?
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like Nathan Hughes is the cunt for going, somebody, came, Bristol, coming up to and going, would you like 500 grand a year? And I'm going, yeah, <laughs> I, I probably, I would, yeah. I'm
1: paying right. for three
2: villages. Oh, there's yeah. not a person listening. Yeah, and you get to live in Bristol instead of Coventry.
1: There's not and a person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people haven't thought of that, have they? <laughs> you've, you've been that soldier, aren't you, John? You've That's been on that I've front been that
2: soldier. both of those places. There's not yet. a person.
3: There's not a person in that stand or watching that TV who wouldn't go and do a, a you know, who wouldn't go and do the same job for two or three times the cash somewhere else.
2: Yeah. Well, to be honest, with you twenty percent, ten percent. You know, who wouldn't take a. Like a substantial pay rise, it's just mad. I just ne- I'll never get it. I'll never understand right. people who get angry about it. It's like, fucking make your money.
3: We need it's to. Also a big, it goes to, and, they, and they make the strangest analogies. You told us about. They go, it's ridiculous, mate. Why is it? Well, a nurse makes thirty grand a year. I said. Yeah. Oh, right. I said, yeah, I know, but no, but people don't pay to go and watch a nurse. I can change in beds. I'm not saying that they don't do a great. Yes, they
4: job, do. They
1: fucking decent motherfucker. Can if you go on the right website? Well,
3: there you go. But you're, like you said. Then you're only going to get paid. You're, you're only going to get paid what that owner thinks you're worth to that club, right? Yeah. And if 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 nurses suddenly if nurses were offered eighty grand a year to be a nurse. Well, and that's what it costs
1: office. to recruit them, Then that's what it costs to recruit yeah, them. That's yeah.
3: what it costs. It's yeah. they unlucky. There it is. Well, it's that's happening now because they
1: can't recruit them, so they to pay agencies. So people, nurses, are going to work for agencies where they get paid twice as much.
3: It, this well, is what happens. More, they should be more loyal to stay with their own hospital. <laughs> <basketball.
1: laughs> <laughs> 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 yeah, I'd love to see like a, a like a transfer market for nurses. Oh, she's wonderful with a syringe. Look at the syringe <laughs> work, <laughs> the close syringe work, or him. Of course, it can be a male. Oh, work. Well, yeah. Right, so that's it for the weekend. We're run out of time. Nothing else to say, because we are going to welcome back after a very long time the return of this.
0: In Ireland, we don't get a lot of sunshine, which means we probably don't get enough vitamin D. And that's why we developed VitaBiotics Ultra Vitamin D. Specially formulated, one tiny ultra vitamin D tablet helps maintain your immune system, providing all the vitamin D you need in one daily tablet. Bring a little sunshine into your day with VitaBiotics Ultra Vitamin D. Pick up your three-month supply in-store and online from leading pharmacies and health food stores nationwide. Acast recommends... Podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna. ACast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams Podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now.
4: Oh, what about that? Send him off! Send the
1: get off! Get him off the field! The <laughs> legendary McMorgan there. Classic. Uh, Yeah, so You Dirty Get, which is a feature that we haven't run for ages, where we look at very famous acts or or foul play matches from times past. And this week, we are going to focus on the Battle of Pretoria in 1998, which was South Africa versus Ireland in the second test of the summer tour. Now, this was back in 98 when tours were still tours, because Ireland played seven games on this tour, Mm. winning only two. The two they won were against Boland Cavaliers and Leopards. Not literally. Natural Leopards. leopards.
3: What's the game
4: that was? (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: They lost to SWD Eagles, who I can't even remember who they are. No. Western Province, obviously, I know, and Greekwas, they lost to them. And then they headed into a two-match test series with uh, South Africa. They lost the opening game 37-13 in Bloemfontein. And we're out to level the series where they rocked up in Pretoria a week later. To add a bit of uh, trouble to the mix as well, Keith Wood had chinned Gary Teichman in the first yes. test. There was a bit of simmering angst mm. and anger going on there because he chinned Teichman.
2: Didn't they refuse to go to the post-match function or something like that after that? South Africa Saffers?
1: refusing to go somewhere because somebody's punching. What a fucking joke, <laughs> but, yeah,
2: so I love this game for like from a do-as-I-say-not-as-I-do point of view. Oh, yeah when you watch this we don't want to back, see this anymore however <laughs> and also, but also from a, it's amazing how many current professional coaches were involved on both sides of this game so obviously you've got Warren Gatland has just taken charge of Ireland which would always which would go incredibly well of uh-huh. course as we all know um Nick Mallett of, of everywhere fame was in charge of South Africa but on the pitch you had Mark McCall currently at Saracens David Humphreys at Gloucester Razzie Erasmus currently Springbok Connor coach Anthony Foley, R.I.P. Of course, Conor O'Shea, as you say, Bernard Jackman, Franco Smith, who's currently at the yeah, Cheetahs. Yeah. Like loads of the most of the players on this pitch would end up being professional rugby coaches twenty years later, and I'm pretty sure they would have enough to say if any of their players did about one percent of the absolute barefaced <laughs> violence that went you on. You mentioned in this the teams. So
1: Worth very quickly running through the team. South Africa were from fullback, fullback Percy Montgomery, wing oh, no. Stephane Terblanche... Centers. Oh, that would be his name. Uh, centers Andre Snayman and Peter Muller. He was a big lad. Peter Muller wasn't he? He was a big lad. Uh, Peter Russo on the wing. He was one of the again probably one of the first archetypal big lad wingers who came through. He, wasn't he? he was
4: actually
1: wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. Um, outside our Franco Smith, number nine of the legendary. Uh, rest in peace, Juice Van Der and Front row, Oli Chubby Oli Larue. Do you remember him?
4: Uh, oh, yeah. Jesus.
1: James, I like to pick people's eyes out Dalton at hooker
4: lovely um, boy.
2: Lovely Adrian boy.
1: Garvey at prop now Otto second row Mark <laughs> Andrews, who looked like an accountant but was deadly <laughs> Johan Erasmuth, Andre Venter and Gary Teichman, captain Ireland was Connor O'Shea, Justin Bishop Kevin Mags, the man with the squarish jaw you've ever seen Mark McCall, <laughs> as we've already mentioned, Dennis Hickey Eric Elwood, he looked like somebody's uncle <laughs> which is what I always liked about him. <laughs> Conor McGuinness was Scrum Arthur, who I do not remember. No, nope. I have no memory of him whatsoever. No
2: whatsoever. Justin
1: Fitzpatrick was prop. Keith would, of course. Paul Wallace. Malcolm O'Kelly. He was still playing relatively recently. Uh, Paddy Johns was the second who was a fucking
2: legend in this game, <laughs> by the <laughs> he way. He was really... Just- he is the star of this year. He might D- not have starred in many rugby games in his life, <laughs> but he is absolutely the uh, best one here. Dion
1: Quinnigan was the blindside flanker who was actually South African and had played for them at age levels and transferred over to Ireland not long before this. I'm sure they dealt oh, with
2: that perfectly well. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. Andy Ward was the open open side. Victor Costa Victor Costello was number 8. And then on the bench you came on David Humphreys came on Rob Anderson came on. He became a lion in 2013 obviously. They did do- <laughs> They did a brilliant thing on 55 minutes just to yeah, calm everything down up. and bring That's Trevor. B-
2: <laughs> yeah, let's bring Trevor Brennan on. Warren Gatland, yeah. Let's bring <laughs> Trevor Brennan on after 50 minutes. Well, the, the, the game has basically descended into violent anarchy at this point, And they go, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Trevor Brennan will calm this. Warren, what do you to do
1: about this? Trev- do you want to take Trevor's collar and lead off, please? Because he's going <laughs> up.
2: Like Peter Claus yelled at this point.
1: Uh, they did, uh, brought him they, on as well, yeah. They came on at
2: exactly the oh, same time. tremendous. It's like, there's a fight going on and you bring... Bring the claw on. Well, bring the claw and Trevor Brennan on. Send it's for like, the claw! <laughs> it's like pouring Napal onto a fucking burning orphanage or something. It's like, it's not going to... Oh. So that was but the team. I love that. I love that that's Gatlin's mindset when this game... They're 30-something nil down. It's just been fighting for 50 minutes. He's so just like, yeah, go on. Fuck it, more fighting.
1: <laughs> so this, it started off... It started very early. On 13 minutes, Juice van der Vestes and booted Malcolm yeah, O'Kelly in the guts while he was on
2: the... In the guts, <laughs> just
1: because O'Kelly just kind of tackles him, not even that yeah. badly, just round the shoulders nope. and it kind of fell over his head a bit. So you van der Vestes and <laughs> shooed him one in the guts on 13 minutes. <laughs> then James Dalton and Victor Costolo go at it on the ground on 20 minutes and Dalton um, takes turns in using one hand to punch Costello and use the other hand to try and gouge his eyes out.
3: He's was rock, fair play.
1: Yeah, and a psycho. Kind of a terrible mix of hard and psychopath, which is...
3: Well, I told you that Tony beat up Gary Lewis and I told you that in a previous podcast. <laughs> yes, yes.
4: <laughs> yeah.
3: of, all, of all the people to fuck with, I was like, oh, my God, this is going to end badly. Fuck <laughs> him. the fuck do you think he is, man? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Taxi. Yeah. Um, so that, that happened 42, literally it was like every first half wasn't too bad, it was like a 15 minute break between fighting, the second half it becomes every 5 minutes 42 minutes Gary Tyson and Kevin Maggs go at it Kevin Maggs visibly shits himself yeah. he's basically trying to hold on to him and keep him at arm's length while Tyson's just swinging punches at him
3: i go to my fake limp at this point
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. do the old, do the rotation side Rev
3: <laughs>
1: I'm blowing. Yeah. Fifty five minutes is already said. Trevor Barron comes on and immediately tries to sh- twat somebody on the side of a rook, which leads to on fifty seven minutes, probably the best fight of the game, Paddy Jordans versus Crano Otto.
2: This is one of the great rugby fights, I think, genuinely. It, what I Certainly love about it is televised.
1: it continues over 20 metres. Do you know what the yes. kind of... It just keeps rolling forward as they're swinging at each other. It's absolutely amazing.
3: Like rollerball <laughs> without the skates. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
1: yeah. So that goes on. Four minutes later, 61 minutes, Paddy Johns again, who's basically becoming the Nicky from Casino character in this game, the Joe Pesci <laughs> character in Casino. you know, If you put him down, you better come back with a fucking gun. And if you come with a gun, you better fucking kill him because he will never stop, sort of So, So uh, he drops an elbow on Mark Andrews while he's on the floor. Yeah. Who then decides, again, in a very South African way at that time, to go for his eyes, quite visibly strikes for his <laughs> it's, eyes.
2: It's very... It's weird watching back just quite how comfortable South Africa are. And to be honest with you, everybody... Is was just going straight for the eyes.
3: I've never done that. I've never, I,
2: It's, it's weird, weird, isn't it? Mm,
3: that was like a, that was always like a taboo thing. Yeah,
2: and I think Not. what is it? It's their first.
1: I think that Andrews. It's his attempt to get him off him in the most quick manner. Mm. Like he thinks if I go for your eyes, you'll you'll because Johns was on top of him. So I think if I think if I go for your eyes, you, you'll recoil naturally, and I can get out of this. It's still I completely outboard. I
3: bit someone's knee once. So that worked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, the eyes, you don't cover the eyes, do you? It's much, isn't it? Go on, come on, you're the end of the scrap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: so anyway, that carries on. Andrew's to says that carries on. 70 minutes. Paddy Johns, this time, the, the two big men come together. Paddy Johns versus Gary Tyshman. This is because. Oh, it's
2: superb. the about everyone's wanted to see, this whole thing. Is, this is Holyfield Tyson now,
1: isn't it? <laughs> it is. This was again, while that was going on, just off. Peter Clovis is off the bench by this stage and he's on full fucking pasty patrol. He's just basically swinging for anything that comes near him. <laughs> And John's, honestly, by this point, Paddy John's has, if you watch the video, has basically stopped playing rugby and thinks he's in in hell in a cell or something on the WWE. He's just fucking
3: Bobby Windsor has come out of retirement. He wants to change nationalities.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I think it is worth remembering, Ireland were 26-0 down at this point. (laughs) Yeah, The upshot of all this is they They lost 33-0.
1: Yeah. So (laughs) All of this didn't really help.
2: It's like, I get it. Everyone's played in a game where they're much better than you. You're losing quite badly. And so the only real For recourse at that point is to, <laughs> fucking, is to fuck them.
3: Who the fuck they think they are, bet? Yeah, but they're also really good fighters as well. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh,
1: shit. But honestly, Paddy Johns is a fucking legend in this game. Uh, Ulster, Ulster, Ulster Lock, fucking hard as nails he is. He will not, he will not have it at all off any of
3: them. You can't tell me, right? You don't. You don't. Somewhere deep down, you miss those days, right?
1: Yeah, people say we don't want to see this. though why is the crowd cheering then?
3: Exactly. <laughs> That's always the thing? Isn't it? We, no, yeah, we don't want to
1: see it, but deep I, down we I do, do like a it. A very though. quick
3: bit of uh, Owen Farrell bashing, right? <laughs> with, with those uh, those two uh, a non-tackles recently, right? I wouldn't have a problem with that. It goes back to the, like the, the organised celebrations. If, if you're able to kick someone on the floor when they're doing it, then carry on, right? Same with Owen Farrell. If he wants to do that sort of cheap shot, armless, jawbreaker tackle, then do it, but then the trade-off's going to be a second row or somebody's going to come over and fucking break your jaw. That's, that's <laughs> the way that it works, right? It seems not, not that you're just doing it and getting away with it scot-free. And then people say the referee, yeah, the referee dropped a bollock on both occasions. I'm not saying he didn't, right? But that would, have been, that would have been dealt with in the old days. You wouldn't have got away with that shit, so you're not, too, not in two games.
4: Hmm. Right? It's the-
2: it's the, it's the argument of bringing back Ruckin, isn't it? It's like you can't, you're not going to be lying on the wrong side if you're going to get fucking studs rigged down yeah. your ribs. And, and Fowler's a tough
3: boy. I'm not, I'm not, yeah. I'm not saying he'd, he'd be a rollover. He can give as good as he gets, but at least there'd be a proper dust-up about it. We'd have some of the cheer, huh?
1: So yeah. this happens, the, the big fight happens, Paddy Jones versus in 70 minutes, and then the final kind of act of it, really, when the commentators at this point are just saying, Ireland have completely lost it now, because they have. <laughs> 80. It's, we're into stoppage time now. 80 plus minutes. Trevor. Oh, this is horrible. Trevor Brennan yeah. pile drives South African debutant winger Mackie Hendricks into the pitch.
2: Who is just and, and running like a gazelle at this point in open space? There's nothing and he wrong just with gets
1: killed. There's nothing wrong with that, apart from the fact that Hendricks had passed the ball roughly about 12 minutes before <laughs> Trevor Brennan got to
2: him. Yeah. It's an amazing close. It's like the final. Just like, oh come on,
3: really. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? They made some of the South Africa boys links, links to this made a good point about um, coming to play um, uh, Wales in, in the Millennium Stadium, Principality Stadium, saying that they feel they treat it as a home game almost. It's, it's, it's like it's not it's not an intimidating place to come and play rugby, mm. right? You know, one of the Aussie boys was saying we love coming. With the, the, everyone gets involved. with love the singing. He said there's a big difference in playing Wales in Cardiff, which we all look forward to. I've got to play in South Africa and Bloemfontein, right? It's terrifying, right? <laughs> it's an intimidating place to yeah. play rugby.
1: So, yeah, the upshot was they lost 33-0. <laughs> they came home on the plane. They went to the Rugby Heroes. World Cup a year oh, later, not doing particularly great. And it was... Um, and um But they're doing all right now. I'd like to think this yeah. played some small part in it, but I don't it think it really did. In the so... end,
4: yeah.
2: <laughs> I wonder what Warren after
3: said. How long after that, after that was the... How long after that was was the Keith Woods leading the boys in a V, where, like a wedge through the hacker? Oh, I don't that know wasn't that.
2: Was. I think a couple of years later, I think. Yeah,
3: I think there's, I think they sort of set the, you know, you've shown the seeds there, you're not going to get pushed around. You're not going to be intimidated.
2: That's the thing. I wonder if that was kind of the entire purpose of the whole fucking exercise of Gatland. It was just like, make sure whatever happens, you don't get sort of bullied in any way and you stand up for yourselves. I'm I'm pretty sure he didn't want it to go quite this badly, but I'm pretty sure also that he quite enjoyed it in a weird way, you know.
1: Okay, so that's was uh you dirty get That's just typical what it's quite right.
3: I love Uh, that clip.
1: (laughs) It never gets old, does it? I can't spake (laughs) <laughs> you'll send him off if you got any bottle oh he's gonna a yellow card you bottle get
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can't speak anyway okay so let's finish off as we always do on the shit good ratings who wants let's to start that. me off we do shit Oh uh, good what do you want first
2: uh, I'll do shit then um, Matt Kvesic uh, just for <laughs> why forwards shouldn't kick part 2001 and
1: 382 I guess um, in an ongoing series
2: ba- yeah bad kick Led straight to that really brilliant Gloucester try. Just um, wasn't very good all round. Like one of those players where you just think he's playing against his old club here and he's kind of fucking it up a little bit. And, uh, and I think that's a problem. He's been with really Bezzy. good, and he's that's the problem really with him. I think
1: this... he never shakes the idea that that's a performance that was always in him. And yeah. I think that's why he's, he doesn't quite get trusted by. International England coaches.
2: coaches. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Because he's been brilliant for Exeter this season, but he really did shit the bed. And it wasn't, you know, they were, Exeter were still in, you know, Exeter were ahead uh, at the start of the second half. But, yeah, a couple of stupid decisions, a couple of stupid penalties, and the real wheels really came off.
1: What else have we got that's shit off of Twitter? We've got Reese not saying, the RFU claiming that every English coach ever would have been on their shortlist, especially if they're already employed by other unions. Does anyone really think Faz, Lancaster or Edwards would want to run the RFU gauntlet? There is that, that thing, is the, isn't there, about England? There is a the thing, yeah. Anybody who is able to do the job and has the intelligence to do it would run a mile from it. You get to that city, it's a bit like the football one for a few years, isn't it? Why would you want to do it? Dave Garrett Certainly. gets in touch and he says that shit is BT Sports' continued disavowal of the Challenge Cup.
2: Yeah, well, we're, what, f- four rounds into it now? Still never put one on telly. Not a single Challenge Cup game has been put on the tally,
1: and it was streaming on the website. And it didn't work.
2: Oh, <laughs> it just Says everything Perfect.
1: about it, really.
2: Useless. I and, mean, you know, these are big games. You know, they're not big games. You know, because the Challenge Cup no, is they're fucking proper clubs, aren't they? This is not. Yeah, I know you've you know, got Os- some Romanian people knocking
1: around and stuff, but generally speaking, they're proper clubs yeah. with
2: you know, fans. You, so want, you might want to watch? You it. want to watch? fucking Claremont? You want to watch? Fucking Ospreys versus Stade Français was a fucking. Heineken Cup encounter like five or six years ago, and it's you know, I don't know. It's it. I've ranted far too much about BT's approach yes. to the fucking Challenge Cup yes, I'm not going to do it again. That it continues, but noted to happen. it continues. Yes.
3: Well, I, got, I got a good here. This is, go watch the rugby the other day. As I said, um, Wales is strength in depth. Which it's is good, an isn't it? Absolute revelation to me. And, and the, I just look at the back row now. Just a quick glance at it recently. So we had uh, Falatow's come back from injury. We got brooks, a great player. Moriarty, uh, Shingler, Alan Jenkins has been outstanding. But that's, I don't remember having a time when we had the strength and depth we got now. Like three, three good scrum halves, to three good outside halves, you know, five or six good centres, six good like, back row players.
2: You look at the, uh, across the home nations, really. Like Ireland have never had depth like this. Scotland have probably never had depth like this and, and England have always had depth, obviously, but their depth is very good at the moment. So you look at all four of those home nation sides and you think about the Six Nations and you think, fucking hell, you know, this could, if somebody gets into a bit of form and on a run, anybody could win this. And that's great.
3: Well, imagine um, four home nations, four home nations, semi-final World
2: Cup. I mean, that would be good, wouldn't it? Could happen. That could happen.
3: He
1: can't, but never mind. <laughs> <drive>. <laughs> the um, We didn't cover this last week, but the shit is the injury to Alice Jenkins, isn't it? Have you had confirmation it's yeah. she's ACL now, is it? Yeah,
3: is ACL, it? isn't it? And they're saying that... Well, they're saying that... Um, Obviously, he's in physio straight away. And it may not be as long as they think, but he's, I think it... Well, I don't know. He's, 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 certain, he's, he's certainly out for the Six Nations. Um. I don't know. He, yeah. he, and not only was he great, he looked great too, especially when he had that moustache in, in <laughs> November. <laughs> he looked great with it. He was a prop. Like that. Yeah, the ears taped up, the moustache. Oh, oh, I was going to
4: say, a
2: moustache Which... and a bit of tape around the end. Oh, my God. You got,
3: you got me right there. <laughs> you had me.
2: Were
1: you a tape wearer in your career, Mike?
3: Oh, yeah. Tape my ears up with, with a black electrical tape every game. Beautiful. Did That's you beautiful. tuck
1: your collars in for the Sorry, full retro in. look? Yes. Collars
3: in. Collars tucked in, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shin pad tucked in my in my forearm, just one. From- Rupert
1: took- Moon used to tuck his collars in for reasons I could never understand.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, to track in the face or something. I don't
1: know. I don't know. <laughs> Rupert Moon's box kicking was a thing of sort of almost balletic beauty. It was so slow. It's yeah. like how can you move your levers that slowly and be an international scrummer? Incredible it used to be, stuff.
3: It used to be there was never a finer example that um, that like sporting prowess is, is an aphrodisiac for some women. <laughs> then then Rupert Moon being surrounded by women in Kiwis on a Saturday
2: night. <laughs> Haven't they moved the, Kiwis now? You, like, They have moved Kiwis now. Yeah, about but, 15 feet, though, they've moved it. Yeah, okay. And it it's yeah. still retains all of the sort of incomparable vibe of Kiwis. Just
1: I remember once going in at
3: Jew in the day,
1: and I can't remember why, going, oh, this is what God. it fucking looks like. You could see, like, the pictures on the wall and everything, because all oh, it was yeah.
2: fucking
3: rammed, right? <laughs> But it, it was, like,
1: <laughs> awful shit. But, yeah, it was...
3: It's like the TARDIS. It's about a tenth the size of the day. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> and is the old arcade still open?
3: Still there, mate. The old <laughs> days, still going mate, strong.
1: Yeah. Magnificent
3: stuff. Well, you're always welcome.
1: <laughs> <laughs> These are Cardiff drinking holes, by the way, if you're not following us. Uh, right then, so what else have we got in the shit? Keza, Keza Pazza gets in touch. He said, shit, is Exeter's failure to realise that teams are going to be more up for it when they come to Sandy Park for a Champions Cup match as to the usual, compared to the usual Galloway Premiership slugging match? Yeah, covered that a bit, but yeah, I agree
3: with you. I got a very quick, good, sh- personal shit and good. All right, okay. Uh, good was I did a we recorded a, a, a sitcom episode recently where I got to uh, my character got to sing with the choir before the World South Africa game. On the uh-huh. halfway,
1: well, people spotted you on the television and were tweeting yeah. about that. Yeah,
3: yeah, I was on the big screen there for a couple of the songs, but then shit was they they made they made me leave before the anthem started. Well, in case it, in case it. In case I took the piss during the anthems, which I wouldn't have done. I wouldn't have done that, by the way. But, I mean, yeah, that was quite nice for me. Weird to be out there in front of, like, 65,000 people, though.
1: Imagine what was like running a train in front
3: of all of them, Mike. Oh, my God. I've done best thinking about it. <laughs> <would be> wonderful. <laughs> so, yeah, and well
1: done on the sitcom, Mike. We've not set yes. sitcom. Setcom. Sit- Sit- sitcom. Oh, thank yeah, there thanks. you.
3: There Cheers. Congrats, lots
1: of rave reviews. Yeah. Personally, think... me and Josh were saying the other day, weren't we, that we just want you and Mary to make... A sort of at home with winning.
2: Yes. Well, well I, yeah, I,
3: I, I would love to do a spin-off of that. My, my my wife said, "Why don't you just call it wins World'? It'd just be you and Mary going places and doing stuff." I so, thought oh, that'd be amazing. That'd be magnificent. She's I'm great sure. fun, though. She's 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 the girl I went to the sun disco with recently. Ah.
1: Uh. She's a, a the, your chemistry's great, genuinely. Yeah, oh, genuinely, you,
3: genuinely, genuinely very funny.
1: I think they're forcing <laughs> some of it. I'll be honest. Some of the other bits, I think they're forcing a bit, but that one they're not.
3: But yeah, it's a. Uh, oh. Not for, not for me to say, mate. Not no, for not for this. you to say. No,
1: of course not. I'm just simply offering my opinion. I think they're forcing some of the other bits, but not your bits. Thank you, mate. Uh, yeah, so what else have we got? There's shit on here. Uh, Alex Conan gets in touch. He said, shit is... Oh, yeah, this is true. Players blind- binding onto Rook to give the scrum half more room to box kick. Whatever happened to use it.
2: Oh, the and, and
1: when And also when... Somebody else made a point. I've not copied it, sorry. That when the scrum half pulls about four forwards in to form a wall before he actually yeah. picks it up and kicks the ball. Yeah. Surely that shouldn't be allowed.
2: The caterpillar Why? thing winds me the fuck up. Because, you know, it's like I get it. If it's technically in front of the back foot, it's not out. But you can't then keep adding back feet to it <laughs> to make it not out. So, where does that end? We got we, all... always,
3: we always pack out on the side of the scrum, though, a flanker. You know, as much as you possibly could. You've you, you got to stay fully bound, though, obviously. You've got like a full arm bind. I think they're the talking. Totally, yeah, yeah. The days you bind with, with, with a little finger, you can get right out there. This but,
1: is Rook they're talking about. They're that's what keep... I'm saying.
3: So maybe, maybe in ruck you'll we'll have to make it that you, you're more... I don't know how you're going to do it. How, how, what are you going to say? Well, I think, you just say to the, I think
1: the, the ref has to say, you use it, you use it now. You can't just keep pulling people into the Rook. Do you know what I mean? That's the thing. You, you know, you, you've either got to pass it or kick it now. Yeah. You can't build yeah. your own personal arms
4: Yeah, once the
2: ball's secured... Then that's the, the ruck is completed effectively. You can't just throw somebody else into it. Yeah. To sort of artificially give yourself an extra three or four feet to be on the off to kick it. Yeah, it annoys the shit out of me.
1: What else have we got here That shit? James Reese gets in touch. He said shit was Ollie Woodburn's boy George impression.
2: I tell you what, I, I'm absolutely fine with it. I think I, I don't really
1: have a problem with how dressing how he wants, to be honest. So I, I might yeah. take the piss out of it a bit, but it's you know, have you seen I mean, it, Mike? it? He was wearing a fedora hat it, and a camel coat. Oh,
4: that's,
3: that sounds strong to me. I haven't seen it. <laughs> I mean, nothing it's with
2: great, that. Yes, he's wearing. Uh, it is. He's wearing leather gloves, a uh, a camel, uh, sort of three quarter length coat, a uh, a sort of off white turtleneck, and a black fedora hat. And I level with you, he's an, looking incredibly stylish, slash a little bit like Inspector Gadget.
3: I I I, I filmed an episode of a different thing over in. Uh... In Belfast recently, and I played a I played a minister in this in this comedy, but I wore. They said, "Where'd you get that? Where'd you get those boots from?" I said, "The, the, the costume department." I said, "What you?" I took off my own because they, they I have my own white patent leather ankle boots with a Cuban heel that I that I, I wear occasionally, and I wore those, and it just blew them away. They were, but I, but I wear those out. I wear those. I mean, that's not an unusual thing for me to wear.
1: Are people surprised when they see that that's this is how you dress? No, yeah, people, you know, people they think, think it's like, a costume for stage, don't they?
3: They think, and then you see, see, yeah, they'll see me after I've been on stage wearing, you know, a different shirt and the same style and the same Cuban heels on and the same like big turquoise necklaces and stuff,
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: and realise I've just got issues. Yeah, <laughs> I love all that shit though. I've got three sheepskin coats. That's why I love, I love the winter.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's your natural habitat.
3: I just, I you're the only I bear know. that
1: doesn't hibernate
3: Mike bit, but, oh, yeah. I've got a lot of bear followers too on Twitter So you
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy with that it's no problem
1: uh, what else have we got here should we move
2: on to good um, yeah come on, come on. Well, both sit and good uh, is Richard Wigglesworth getting sat down by Matthew Morgan because hilarious but also probably the worst moment of his career because come on
1: and Farrell as well of course
2: uh, Farrell sorry. made the terrible
1: mistake of trying to tackle him with his arm. Yes. That's what went wrong there. <laughs> always go with the shoulder, <laughs> Completely
3: threw him, didn't it? Completely through him. <laughs> just not used to it. Not
1: used to so, it. Strong boy, Matthew Morgan, it seems.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, he's never... He's never missed... You know, he's never looked like a lad that shirks the gym. It's just there's a certain, you know... What God gave him isn't as big as what... All yeah, physiological limitations of the fact that he's about five foot five, and there's only so much beef you can pack on that without it getting silly. But um, what a fucking try, though!
1: What a try, amazing! And yeah. actually, to be fair, yeah, the handoff is a bit well. Maybe you should have held him. But actually, it's easy to say that his step in between, as as Farrell and Wigglesworth came in, he stepped at the perfect time to just get enough weak arm, weak shoulder to get through. It was lovely. it was a lovely bit of work. Um, yes, and and I tweeted that you never recover from the shame of being handed off by Matthew Morgan and somebody <laughs> responded with have you got any followers with tweets like this you fucking wankstains
4: <laughs> I've not
1: heard the um, insult wankstains it's about probably 1993 or something it's, it's so.
2: gloriously retro though. it's up
3: there with Bellend I mean it's, it's a, wankstains a cracker isn't
1: it it is yeah knob rash and, is one you never hear anymore either
3: that is, Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah, that, yeah. Oh, retro, retro insults, No, oh, it's
1: all <laughs> <laughs> Most of them end up being really politically incorrect so we can't use too many of buddy. them but,
2: uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah oh, Bad yeah. end, one of the all-time greats I still use that end
1: liberally great word, great word. Prime for a comeback Absolutely
2: prime for a comeback
1: Well that's another <laughs> podcast entirely but, uh, So what else <laughs> yeah. have we got as good? Speaking of strong boys, have you seen Ollie Thorley?
4: Big Gloucester? lad. No yeah. Big oh, yeah, winger, well.
1: scored a glorious try last week he, I said, and I, didn't, and I meant this incredibly positively at the weekend, he looks like a winger who'd do very, very well in rugby league.
4: Yeah. Because I,
1: I don't think I've lovely. seen somebody that big that quick who runs, it, runs his weight so well. Mm. You know, when, he, when, he, when he carries a kick, he runs his weight really, really well. And I think he's quite young. He's a big lad. And he's um, only 22,
2: isn't he? Yeah, yeah.
1: I think he could be something <clears throat> approaching England's George North if, he, if we handle Ooh. him correctly. Because he looks like I, he's got a bit of brains about him as well. He moves well. He's not just big. He moves well. He uses his feet well.
3: Well, speaking about uh, people in good shape, a, a, a good for me would have been... Um, is the mic working? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. A good for me would have been uh, when we were at the stadium the other day, I was with a choir when they sang the boys off the bus, both teams, right? The South African hymn was, was amazing. Um, but when they brought the Welsh team off, Jonathan Davis Jr. walked <laughs> past me probably three feet away. Not only has he got arms bigger than my legs, (laughs) he's got arms bigger than his own legs, and he's got big
2: legs. I mean, he's... He's he's an absolute special... Like, you don't realise it on the pitch. He He is is an absolute physical specimen in a way that a, an outside centre would never have been.
3: They were walking on the bus and I was thinking to myself, if I, was, if I was 20 years younger, you know, I could I could couple most of these. And then...
4: <laughs> it's got all.
3: Well, I saw him and thought, fuck me, he's in good shape. I mean, he, <laughs> he is in absolute nick. Because even people like... Um, George North didn't look that big. I mean, Lee looked big, you know, but he, he didn't look...
1: He has big. very big legs. He's got a normal size upper yeah, half. he's got north a
3: mass, massive legs and bum. Yeah. And a big ass. Yeah, yeah it's great. But uh, he's got a great ass. About um, John Davis's arms, man, I, I, I would, I would love those arms. I would never wear a top. I was in.
1: <laughs> you have to throw your sheepskin coats away. But uh, the, um,
3: just, we were feet. talking
1: about him the other week, and I was saying he's not that big, is he? And Josh did say, "No, he is oh. actually." And I did a quick Wikipedia search, and I went, "Fucking hell, he's six foot three and oh. nearly seventeen oh. stone. He's and massive, all,
3: and, it's, and it's all muscle, mate. I'm telling you."
1: Yes. So, anyway, there you go. What else have we got that's good? I've mentioned Ollie Thorley. Pete, uh, Sam on. On
2: the Underhill, we mentioned briefly earlier. He's yeah, uh, very, uh, just, very good. He's just game changing as a seven for it. He's basically Bath and England are getting to see what Ospreys fans knew all along, in that he's just fucking absolutely mustard.
1: Yes. Uh, Peter O'Mahony telling Rory Cacott to fuck off.
2: I loved that. I the absolute see... nonchalance of it. Seen... Oh, I, him a... I got another good.
3: I just remembered another good. Well, oh. um, since last time I was on, my mate Griff, who got asked by Kingsley Jones to go over and help out uh, Canada with uh, the World Cup qualification campaign over in France there. Huge deal for Canada, that. Uh, the yeah, World they, World Cup. they really thought they'd come and suck maybe against... It's for
1: their uh, union, doesn't it, basically?
3: You know, Hong, Kong, yeah. Hong Kong was going to be the, the real stumbling block, and they played really, really well. Griff was really, really pleased. Kingsley was really, really pleased. And all my Canadian mates are over the moon. So that's uh, that was great for Canadian rugby.
2: Nobody wanted us... Nobody wanted to see what would happen if they didn't qualify for the World Cup. Because mm. I mean, that could have gone I mean, quite badly.
3: Well, it could have happened as well. That was the thing. Yeah. It, would, it would have, without being too much of a doom monger, uh, knowing the little bit that I do about Canadian rugby, if they hadn't qualified and they'd lost out on that $10 million, whatever it is, for qualification money. I mean, I think, I'm not sure Canadian rugby would have recovered from it, to be honest. I know it sounds melodramatic, but... Yeah, would, and,
2: <clears throat> and rugby needs countries like Canada to keep playing rugby. Yeah. Because otherwise it's just fucking us and New Zealand and South Africa and Australia. And it's a bit shit. Yeah. a bit boring. Really. Yeah. Right. But yes, what else have I, we got? Really, I really enjoyed Peter Romani telling Rory Cocker to fuck off because of the absolute casual nature with you which just He stumbled just stumbled his hands on his hips, did he? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> do not even a fighter
1: anything, He just turns and and goes, to lips and fuck
2: off. Says, fuck off. <laughs> and he fucks and off. <laughs> the best part is he does <laughs> he fuck does off. He does turn
1: around and fuck off. Yeah, it is really <laughs> funny. There's a great gif of it if anyone's not seen it, but you must have done, I imagine. Uh, right, then One over have got that's good, Colin McBride gets in touch on Twitter. Hello, Colin. He says, good is Eric O'Sullivan. Unusual to see a prop play the full 80 these days. That is true. Mm. While in the process making 18 out of 19 tackles and helping Ulster to be surprisingly competent in the scrum. Good win for Ulster, actually. 25, really good 24 win. 24 Yeah, in, yeah. In Scarlet's, got-
2: Scarlet's missed the players that they've lost, which is Scarlet's a bit Scarlet's defence was
1: a little bit like trying to use a colander to stop a lava flow, wasn't it? They were pretty poor... poor.
3: All of their excellence. Good to see. Year. good to see a coach having a bit of faith and keeping them on for the full 80 as well, mate. Yeah. You know, not just have the little RF chip at the back of the shirt there saying, right, you've done, your, you've done your 60 minutes, or you've done your 10K, whatever it is, you're off, you know? If you're playing well, the number of times they bring, they bring a front row off that are playing well after an hour, you think, what the hell are you doing?
2: You know? Yeah, and then they do it all at once instead of just staggering it, Yeah, massively... Yeah, that winds me up like nobody's business. We
1: mentioned last week Argentina keep taking Nicolas Sanchez off at 64, 60 minutes for reasons nobody can fathom because his replacements are nowhere near as good and he's like That's the heartbeat of their team. It doesn't make any sense yeah. at all. Well,
3: him, him, him at 70% is better than all his replacements at 100%, so leave him on there. Yeah.
1: yeah. My mate was coached by Sean Edwards once before he, he got quite big when my mate was playing for London Scholars, who were a rugby league team, and Edwards came and did like a session with him, I think, as a bit of outreach work. And that thing in rugby league where props only play twenty minutes a half. Don't let me mate played prop. <laughs> and Edwards basically just said, "He said you lot play for twenty minutes a half." He said, "So you basically just go eyeballs out for the full twenty minutes. Don't think about <laughs> Don't think about anything." He said, "You just fucking run until you nearly throw up for twenty minutes. Then you're coming off. So there's no excuses." It's,
4: it's
1: just like, yeah, all right, fair enough. <laughs> Plus, I'm sure Edwards up. saying it, not me.
3: Yeah. <laughs> well, he, he walked past me like again, like three feet away. He looked like a, he looked, he's fierce, isn't he? And he's not yes. a big bloke, you're like, no. Oh, you look like you're all rock. Man.
4: And he
1: looked fierce <laughs> when he had hair, weirdly. He was slightly yeah. balding and straight. A bit like Terry Cobb, you know, bald but terrifying. Yeah. Terry Cobb now had Bobby Charlton hair, but looked fucking terrifying.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: he looked like you'd have to smack him with like a pool table to knock him out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. So we got this good. Leo Atwood gets in touch. He said, good was the first half, shit was the second half from a Blues fan. Yes, absolutely.
4: Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, I have a lovely
1: good. message here from Paul Driscoll about my old rugby club. Hello, What's Paul. It? An old mate of mine. He said, it's, it's me, it's about Cardiff Quinn's RFC. On Saturday, they continued their season turnaround and defeated top of the table St. Peter's,
3: the Rocks. You played against the Rocks? The Rocks. Rock. I played for the Rock and against the Rocks. Have you?
1: Yeah. Uh, for their first loss of the season after nine straight losses, it's good to get a couple of wins and come a little bit up the table. Yeah, it wasn't a good time when I was there. It's been, it's been mixed fortunes for the Quinns, so good to hear they're doing a
3: bit better. Well, the, the game I played for, I played on maybe two games at St. Peter's when Mark Ring's brother Paul was the captain. Mm. I think I mentioned it before, Paul was a tough cookie, Paul. But he, he, he would play, he, I think he'd, he'd have some sort of colostomy or something, and he would he would take... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I, I really, you know you can't work out yeah. where this is going. Yeah. Well, go on, yeah. He <laughs> no, was so tough, he would take his colostomy bag off before the game, sort of tape the hole up with some black... black... <laughs> put the bag on again after the game it's just fucking solid that's amazing wow yeah so there we go my recollection of playing for the
1: Rock Uh, what have we got marking two rugby got in touch he said good was JJ Hanrahan stepping up before the game and having man of the match for uh, Munster which is true Uh, that was a very it was a shit game but fucking that was a comfortable win for
2: yeah Connor Murray was hot piss in that game as well which uh so a thing? Fine. Yeah, probably. I don't I know. Like I like them to use them often. piss, And of course, I mean, who do they manage better to... Better than cold piss, isn't it? Who do they manage
3: yeah, to beat?
1: Get ready, everybody. I I'm,
0: right. I'm
2: right. Cass. I can't wait. I'm Cass. I can't wait till Cass get eliminated. Honestly, <laughs> so we... we don't have to do this anymore. We'll song I've got watch. more
1: than
4: here.
2: Beautiful Can voice, I just,
3: say, just saw, one of the I, worst bands. I saw cast, me and my wife saw cast in uh in Bristol in the 02 about four or five years ago. Um, and there was a proper fight in the front. In the front. <laughs> I thought it was amazing. There was no one that younger. there was no one there younger than me, so it must have been some like 45-year-old blokes in the front of Pogory and just started beating each other up. It was amazing, <laughs> glorious. See
1: it an not no more, is it, these young people gigs. But all made happy. made happy. Absolutely
3: wankers, all
1: of them. Uh, the <laughs> Simcoe kid gets in touch. He said very good for Ben Te- Be- very good for Ben Teo is his wages per minute at Worcester this season. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: I mean he's a good player, Ben Teo, but he's not he's he's not five hundred oh, grand good, is he?
3: It's all right. Yeah,
1: he's not exactly he's not really
3: quid, is he? Uh, no, to- Tony... But as we said earlier, mate, you only get paid what some of the things are work. Exactly.
1: True. Tony Sylvester gets in touch. He says, good was the La Defence Arena in Paris, which is Rossing's ground, if people aren't quite sure about that. A batshit crazy wonderful entertainment place in Utopia land. He said, But also, he said, shit is La Defence Arena, where two people yelling Tigers has more volume than the entire racing crowd. Once the stadium tannoy announcer has given up trying to galvanise them.
4: <laughs> that fucking See? ground
1: man have you seen that massive fucking Stay multiplex screen round the other end down the end it's amazing
3: oh yeah Stay I'm not going to start you on
1: that again Mike <laughs> <laughs> I'll
3: tell you what's a good, a good as well I love shout out for my mate Will Croker who's coaching uh, Bournemouth down there they're, 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 he's, a, a, he's a really nice bloke and B they're having a good season so I'm quite chuffering.
1: my mate Chris Cormack coaches down there he coaches uh, Dorset Dockers do you know Chris Cormac? Yeah. Crispin. Crispin Crispin, Conner. Crispin Conner, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's played for Ponte. Yeah. Oh,
4: yeah.
1: He's doing all right. Anyway, do you know, do you know anybody who's coaching in Dorset, Josh? You can not, join in with us. <laughs> no, no. No, you
2: know, the Bournemouth, Weymouth area. <laughs> no, 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 yeah, not even anywhere down the this South. This is Coast fucking
1: really, no. top radio, this, isn't it? Anyway, let's go. <laughs> so, uh, Sam Ashworth, last couple. Sam Ashworth gets it up. She said, Good is the Jaguar's new home kit? When yes. I first oh, saw I'm it, sure. I, I made the same it. noise when you see an amazing out-the-door offload. Whoa. Tell me,
3: tell me, tell me. Why, 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 why? I didn't uh, like it. I
2: is it, I is is
3: it. Is it painted with big with... colours? Uh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> if only, Mike. I mean, it is black with a sort of orange fern, a bright orange fern well, motif. We Rams. have to
1: remember where it's come from because their original yes. kit was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen.
2: Just their black, black, it was a black kit with, the or- with, with, orange, with, orange,
1: with orange sort of trim.
4: Yeah. It, just, it was not. just
1: beautiful. And now they've kept it black, but they've got this kind of... Is it meant to be like a, a jaguar it's pelt?
2: Fern. It's ferns, because, you know, ferns. jaguars in the rainforest, isn't it? Fucking hell, they've
1: overthought that, haven't they? I I
3: thought you said orange fur. I thought that sounds <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> now, that be. Now, now, now you're
2: talking. I mean, the Awake It does have a sort of leopard print... Well, I should say a jaguar print motif around the top, which...
3: Uh, if, you to see, if you want to see the best jersey of all time, Yes, it's a soccer jersey. Unfortunately, it's the uh, they were called the Caribou. Um, I think they were called the Caribou. They were played in um, in the North American Soccer League back in the day. But they had oh,
2: a... is it the, it's got the one that's got the, the tassel around it. Yeah, it was oh, tan. Oh, glorious it, stuff.
3: It was tan with a with a brown yoke and a big collar, and then just a fringe yes. along, along both sleeves and down on the back of the shirt. Was it one like
1: of... was it like Tommy period? Roger Daltrey's get up.
3: Basically. exactly like that <laughs> for football exactly like that amazing absolutely amazing you can't buy it anywhere if someone's listening to this they make football kit can you please make <laughs> it and I'll buy it off you
1: <laughs> you should put a request into Toffs or or yeah, be, or whatever
3: be, well, it, it got voted the ugliest football kit of all time and I thought it was honestly got the best football ugly kit clothes
1: ever. that sounds like the job for me says Mike <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: yes please
3: but yeah, it's a lovely, it
1: is, I mean, yeah, I preferred the old one, but it's still an interesting show. I'm
2: mainly just happy that Jaguar, uh, Jaguardo has survived the Jaguars rebrands, to be honest. Have because... you seen
1: Jaguardo, Jagu- Mike?
3: I, what's Haguardo?
1: He is the Jaguars mascot. I Watch. think you'd like him. Why? Because he rides around on fucking motorbikes with women on the
3: back. Hello. And like, and, 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 and
1: like flies into the arena with like two flares in his hands and on surfboards and just gets chased around by women. He's like a sort of feline Benny Hill sketch.
2: He is a bit. Sounds um, amazing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> He's a bit of a lad, isn't he?
2: Old Hagawad. He is a bit of a lad. He also how... occasionally wears berets for no new... reason. <laughs> That's true. He does wear berets as well, too. yeah, randomly. Yeah.
3: How knackered must those boys be? We talk about people go go
2: <laughs> to play remember. like
3: when Argentina is basically that team as well. Yeah. When do, when's their downtime then? When do they? When they're, they're dead, Mike. They?
2: When they are <laughs> dead.
1: Oh, God. I think they're all just dropping fucking Ambien on the plane in between, <laughs> in between games. And then they wonder why yeah. it takes a while to get into. And Creevy's a beast. He still turns up and gives absolutely everything. You
3: like, You're not a young
1: man
3: Your downtime is going back to the championship to play against New Zealand and South Africa. You know what I
4: mean?
1: That's, <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Christ. We just lost to the Barbarians. Never mind. We'll play South Africa next week. Yeah. Yeah. It's
4: fine. They are a weird human
2: experiment, Argentina, and I don't know how it's going to end.
1: Last good is, Ian Bradshaw says, George Ford for going full-bore, fuck it, I'll do it myself, against Rassing for Tomston's try. Yeah, he did. Fair play. He
2: absolutely did, That was a bit of
1: a mad game, actually. It looked like it was going to go very, very... I mean, they lost in the end, Leicester still, but it looked like it was going to go very, very, very badly. I think that'll do them some
3: good in the long run.
2: Yeah, not getting absolutely fucked over was... was up about as I can't. What's happened it?
3: to Leicester? I can't. I'm, as, as a poor Welsh boy living, living in the provinces, right? What? How has Leicester got so bad?
1: Um, I. Th- they've changed. They, they've changed. This is my view. Josh we have a different view. They've changed coaches too often without a, because they, it's almost like the coaches upon when you've got to look. Their recruitment has been a serious problem. If you look at their back row for the past three years, and they sold Ed Slater to Gloucester, which seems fucking madness to me. Because he's out an outstanding lock forward, and and we've said this, we have talked about it before. I don't know who they are anymore.
2: No, the combination
1: of changing changing the, the, the coaches, poor recruitment, has led to the situation where you go, I don't really know what you're supposed to be anymore.
3: Just sort of like a direction, and a, you know. I think they, it's, they,
1: we know. Remember the Leicester style, and I'm not saying you don't have hmm. to change your style but at least it seemed like everybody knew what they were trying to pull towards. And I'm not sure that's the case anymore. Mm. And I don't think it's the case right to the top, actually. There's somebody making very poor director of rugby recruitment decisions.
2: And then they're, they're compounding that by instead of going, well, we fucked this signing up or whatever. Let's do better next year. They're just basically keeping the same players and changing the coach and hoping that they get better results from the same and mismatches. not having a bottle
1: to stick with it. Like they, they, they got rid of Cochrane and put Major in because obviously they wanted to change a little bit, and then just bottled it. Didn't recruit well and bottled it. Yeah, you know it's just a recipe for disaster. Really.
3: We talked about earlier with uh, with like the, with Glasgow, right? And and it's it's almost like an unsung role in, in, in British sports. It's, it's a huge role in American sports. That sort of general manager role that is mm. the person in charge of recruiting uh, and, and, and getting the players yeah. in and and, do, and sorting out the contracts and balancing the books and, and doing the salary cap, you know. they sort of, I, Banging up on the NFL again, but the Dallas Cowboys in the, in the 90s when they, when they won everything, they were built around having the best general manager in the league. And it, 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 mm. it, it never gets the credit in this country, I don't think. Obviously, what Glasgow are doing compared to what Leicester are doing, it's, it goes beyond coaching. I it's think it's, it's a, a, a yeah, personal thing. a strange it's
1: thing in Britain. We're obsessed with the cult of the coach and the manager. Yeah. And it's, it comes from the kind of Clough, Ferguson, Alf yeah. Ramsey type background. I know they're well, all those, English, but the point... Well, they, 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 would be involved,
3: they were involved in those English. days in... They would sign the players. I mean, they, they, would, they would get money from the chairman and they would make the signings. So
1: then when you try and introduce this, this model, which is quite common in other sports in other countries...
3: We're so ultimately
1: distrustful it? of it. Because imagine yeah. somebody saying to Alex Ferguson, I've bought you these three players, and he went, what? Hm. you fucking joking? Hm. Sort of thing. Yeah. And I think it's something to do with the fact we've never had a dictator. We're obsessed <laughs> with these sort of powerful <laughs> manager types because we've never lived yeah, under yeah. a dictatorship, I think. Maybe yeah,
3: that's where the is doing okay, then. Yeah, it? <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> a military hunter they had. Brilliant.
1: And on that note, <laughs> let's have a military hunter to sort out our obsession with cult- with, with the cult of personality of managers. Um, that's the end of it. Thank you, Mike.
3: Cheers, boys. Thanks very much. Thank
1: you, Josh. Thank what you, everybody, for listening.
4: We'll speak to you all soon. Take care. Indeed. So long. In Ireland, we don't get a lot of sunshine,
0: which means we probably don't get enough vitamin D. And that's why we developed VitaBiotics Ultra Vitamin D. Specially formulated, one tiny ultra vitamin D tablet helps maintain your immune system, providing all the vitamin D you need in one daily tablet. Bring a little sunshine into your day with VitaBiotics Ultra Vitamin D. Pick up your three month supply in store and online from leading pharmacies and health food stores nationwide. Sports Social Podcast Network.